well, good morning and welcome again. It's good to see all of you today. Uh, as Pastor Donna said, we're continuing uh, our new series today, The Pursuit of Rest. And uh, Pastor Eric kicked things off last week, and he talked about this invitation to experience real rest in Jesus, to acknowledge that we are weary and burdened, and that really there's nothing more exciting or more inviting than to take on this easy yoke of rest that he has for us. And so today we're going to talk about one of the foundational parts of a biblical rest, and that is the concept of Sabbath. This idea that we see throughout Scripture that one of the most important ways to find rest, one of the most important strategies for rest, is to take one day a week to stop and cease our work. Now before we go any further, let's just be honest. I think for many of us, the idea of Sabbath makes us a little uneasy. I can't say this for sure, but maybe some of you, as soon as I said that word Sabbath, you felt a little bit of, I don't know, hesitation. You felt something tighten up. You felt some resistance or defensiveness. And I think for a lot of people, the idea of rest sounds inviting, but Sabbath has different undertones. I shared a, a while back that uh, I coached my son Grayson's soccer team this past fall, and by far, my least favorite part of this experience was having to be in charge of player substitutions. So our team had 10 players, but you can only have seven on the field at a time. So most games, you know, at any given moment, you had three kids who had to sit and watch, and, and they don't get to play. And so every quarter, you know, I would have to approach three kids and say, okay, you're going to sub, you have to sit. And what I learned from this experience is that no one under any circumstances likes being told you have to stop. It's your turn to stop. No matter the situation, if I told one of the kids that they were going to be a sub, they would just get this like sad, wounded, disappointed look on their face. Like, like me? What did I do wrong? You know, they could be exhausted. I could be watching them. I could see that they were tired. It could be 90 degrees outside. They could be panting. They could be so tired they'd be sitting on the ground in the middle of the game. But if I went up to them and said, hey, you're going to sub, they'd be like, wait, why? Why me? They could be complaining about being tired as they walked off the field. But if I asked them, do you want to sub? They're like, no way. I'm not, I'm not your guy. And so we might like the idea of rest. We might crave rest. We might be exhausted. But no one likes being told, you have to stop. And I think the Sabbath makes us feel uncomfortable because we don't like the idea that someone else should tell us when we should stop, how long we should stop for, what our rest should look like. And so I think for many of us, we're left with this kind of strange contradiction. We like the idea of rest in theory, but we don't really like the Sabbath. We know we need to slow down, but we don't know how. Because the options that the Bible lays before us seem outdated, restrictive, and a little bit impractical. And so this morning, we just want to talk about this concept of Sabbath First of all, so that we can understand God's intention for it. What is the Sabbath all about? 
Why are we commanded to take it? We want to understand why rest and Sabbath are so crucially related to one another. Why is the Sabbath God's primary vehicle for rest in Scripture? And finally, we want to wrestle with this possibility that maybe, just maybe, Sabbath has some kind of importance for our own experience of rest. So if you have a Bible today, uh, turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. And what I want to do today is primarily to look at two different passages, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. And these are very similar passages because they are the two different readings of the Ten Commandments, uh, these Ten Commandments that God gives the people of Israel. And if you remember from your Sunday school lessons or from previous sermons, right, the Ten Commandments are given by God to Israel after he leads them out of Egypt. He's delivered them from slavery, and he's beginning to lead them into the promised land, this new life of blessing, this new life with him. And so really the Ten Commandments, we have to remember, it's not just an abstract set of rules. It's not just a list of behaviors that God wants his people to follow. Instead, these are words of life and blessing. As God leads his people into this new life with him, he wants to show them just the best way to live, how to thrive, how to experience his goodness. And so on one hand, we know that the Ten Commandments are tied to Israel's covenant with God. And there's something about it that like, doesn't fully carry over into the New Testament. But at the same time, there's something about each of these commandments that's rooted in something deeper. These are principles that are meant to creating a holy loving, and blessed people. And so it's here in the Bible, or here in these Ten Commandments, that we find the first instructions in Scripture about Sabbath. This fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And so what we're going to do is look at these two different commands, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. They take place about a generation apart, one right after uh, the delivering from Egypt and one before They move into the promised land. And what we see in these two different versions of the Ten Commandments is that the commandment itself is largely the same. What God calls Israel to do is pretty much exactly the same. But in these two commandments, we see two different reasons or two different foundations for the concept of Sabbath. And both are really interesting as we consider this invitation to rest. So let's dive into this first one, into Exodus 20, and we'll look at this kind of first truth, this first reason for Sabbath, beginning in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Verse 11, here's the reason. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So here's our first point about Sabbath this morning. Uh, Perhaps the most significant truth about rest in all of Scripture That Sabbath rest is rooted in the rhythm of creation. 
Ultimately, when God gives the Sabbath command to his people, it's not just an arbitrary cultural value. It's not something he wants them to do just for the sake of doing. It's not about control. What he tells them is that it's actually built into the way we were made to experience life. It's actually built into the way the universe, all of creation, was made. And we see this in the way uh, God takes us back to Genesis 1 and 2 here. He takes us back to this picture of creation. God reminds us that for six days, he did all this work of creating. Right? He separated light from darkness. He made uh, the land and the sea, all kinds of plant and animals. On the sixth day, he creates his masterpiece, humankind, created in his image. But the seventh day is a different kind of day. The seventh day has a different vibe, and the author of Genesis, as he tells this creation account, uses repetition, and he writes it in such a way that it's, diff- that it's clear that something different is happening on this seventh day. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So clearly we see here, when God finished creating, he rested. Now, the first thing we have to understand is that God is not resting because he's tired. That's an easy mistake to make, and it's essential to understanding what God is doing here, that we don't kind of confuse how God works with how we work as limited, finite people. Uh, A couple weeks ago, our family got a chance to take a trip to uh, Zion National Park just for uh, a few nights. And as I've shared before, this is kind of our favorite kind of trip. We love nature. We love being outdoors, hiking, and, and doing all that kind of stuff. And really, one of the keys to enjoying this kind of trip with kids is to make sure to build time for rest. So, for example, when we hike, we take a lot of breaks. You know, we stop to catch our breath. We stop to drink water. We stop to eat Sour Patch Kids. We stop to look at leaves. And we stop any chance we get so that we don't get too tired. When we do a long drive, we make lots of stops. We stop to eat lunch. We stop to stretch our legs. We stop at interesting gas stations. We stop at fun bakeries and by every single thing that looks good, and we stop many, many times for me to go to the bathroom. Not the kids, me, I'm I'm serious, that's the way it works. But you know, this is obvious, right? We have physical, we have mental, we have emotional limitations, and that requires, requires us to recover our strength and energy for whatever it is we're trying to do. And that's simply not the case for God. God doesn't need rest. If he wanted to, God could go on creating and sustaining and building and working forever. That's part of being omnipotent. Well, there are three principal reasons. First, because creation needs rest. 
As we said, we are limited. While God is omnipotent, we are not. God can keep working eternally, and we cannot. And so setting a part of day of rest was important for creation to continue functioning. We see this in the world around us. We see this in our own bodies and minds. See this in agriculture and gardening, the importance of dormancy. We see this in fitness and sports, taking rest days. We see that God has made, it his, made his creation to rest. Second, God rests because work does not define God or creation. Work is not all there is. See, God could rest because he doesn't need to keep on working. Think about this. Even in this huge, monumental task of creating everything, God says there's, there's time to rest. I think one of the biggest reasons for not resting, one of the biggest things we say when we talk about rest is what? I don't have time. I don't have time to rest. Now, if ever there was a job where you might be able to say that, where you might be able to say, I don't have time to stop, it might be the creation and sustaining of all the physical universe. But here God makes this explicit point that there is time within this job to rest. Now, finally, and I think perhaps most importantly for us, is God rests because he seems to have a real desire to enjoy his work to experience, to take in, to find gratitude and appreciation and joy in everything that he had made on days one to six. It's not just about the work. It's about life within the work. And so in light of all of that, in light of those three reasons, one of the things we have to recognize is that in the work of creation, God isn't simply making stuff. He's defining the terms of existence. He is defining how life works, how the world works. And we see that he's defining not just physical space, but also time. And he's saying that at the heart of Sabbath is this idea that God has made a special rhythm for life. Life is meant to operate according to this rhythm of creating and resting, of working and stopping, of building and enjoying, doing and being. And it's this rhythm, this balance that is quite literally etched into the fabric of all of creation. Author George Robinson puts it this way, what did God create on the seventh day? Didn't God cease from all the work of creation on the seventh day? No, instead what he says is what God created on the seventh day, according to ancient rabbis, was rest. See, this is the foundation of any understanding of rest or Sabbath or, or, or just the makeup of our own souls is that it's not simply about saying, hey, you need a break although you probably do. It's not simply saying you're tired, even though we all are. The idea of rest is that we were made to experience this exact rhythm of work and creation and productivity. We were made to do all that, but also stopping to experience 
what we've made, stopping to experience the blessing to be refreshed and restored by moments, spaces of peace and gratitude and joy within the world God created and the world that we are building. And ultimately, this is part of what God says is good. Uh, One of my absolute favorite family traditions is Sunday afternoons and evenings after church throughout summer. And pretty much every week during summer, whenever we can, you know, I'll come here, I'll I'll preach or do whatever, and, and I'll go home, we'll hop in the car, and we'll drive out to Alyssa's parents' house in the foothills of Laverne. And every week is is about the same. First, Alyssa will drop me off at a trail, and I'll get to ride my bike for a couple hours on my absolute favorite trail in the world, Marshall Canyon. Beautiful trail. I spend time in the oak trees, beautiful views. Uh, I can see downtown LA. I can sometimes see all the way out to like Costa Mesa. It's gorgeous. I listen to worship music. I spend time with God. I pray. I reflect. Sometimes people ride by me and I'm just smiling and I feel like a crazy person because I'm just enjoying the moment. I finish my ride and I'm able to ride from the trail to Alyssa's parents' house, throw my bike in the car, run inside, put on my swim trunks, don't take a shower, and I just hop into the pool. Dirty, muddy, I don't know why Alyssa's parents let me do that, but they do, and play with the kids for a couple hours. The pool is always heated to 85 plus. There's always a breeze up in Laverne, and so it's always perfect temperature. I'll play with the kids. We have all these made-up games that they make me play for hours, and at some point I get tired of playing, so I'll move over to the hot tub, just sit in the hot tub, feel the breeze, enjoy the views. At some point we finish our time, we go inside, and we enjoy a family dinner of pizza or hamburgers or Mongolian barbecue or whatever it is we feel like that night. And almost every single week when we do this, at some point, I'm not exaggerating, I will actually think to myself, this is good. This is like Sabbath good. This is Sabbath space. This is Sabbath time. It's this intersection between happiness and peace and slowness, and gratitude, and time with God, and time in community. And all those things are meeting here. And man, it is good. Now obviously I know not everyone has Alyssa's parents or Alyssa's parents' house. I know that. Not everyone has the opportunity for this specific kind of experience. And that might not even sound good to you. You might not want to go mountain biking and swimming and all that Great stuff. I don't know why you wouldn't want to, but you might not want to. And so my point isn't that you should do exactly this, but my point is that there is something profoundly life-giving about this kind of rest. This is different than taking a nap. It's different from sitting on the couch. It's different from watching Netflix. This is a rest that appreciates the moment, that stops work, but also pursues this, this good space that God's created for us. Rabbi Abraham Heschel says this, rest is not a negative concept, but something real and intrinsically positive. What was created on the seventh day? Tranquility, serenity, peace, and repose. Now this is an important starting point. I know it sounds great in theory, but there is a reality that we have to reckon with. We know that this is not easy. 
This is not a rhythm that we can just naturally, easily step into. And this is the other truth we see God address as he gives the Sabbath command. Uh, let's turn over to Deuteronomy 5, this, this second reading of the Ten Commandments, and the second reason for Sabbath. Deuteronomy 5, verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Largely the same so far. Verse 15, a new reason. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So here we see a second crucial idea about Sabbath. That Sabbath rest, this kind of true rest that we're talking about, is completely and totally countercultural. It goes against the grain of how the world works. And so we see here in this command that Israel was first meant to understand Sabbath in the context of creation, Exodus 20. But here we see that it was also meant to be understood in light of Israel's experience in Egypt. And we see God use this, this key word here. I love this word in scripture. It always highlights something important is happening. He says, remember. Don't forget. Remember. Hold on to this idea that you were slaves in Egypt. Remember that you were once overworked, oppressed prisoners of Pharaoh. Remember this existence where work was all there was where your value, your identity, your purpose came down to how many bricks you could make. Every day was defined by whether or not you made a quota. When you worked hard, you were rewarded, and when you stopped, you were punished. He says, remember that experience. Remember how that felt. Remember how tired you were, how run down you felt. Remember how angry you were that you were forced into this way of living. How angry you were at your masters who cracked the whip when you didn't make enough. And in this sense, God is saying, hey, remember, realize that not only am I bringing you into a new life, not only am I redeeming you from, you know, into this new promised land, but I am redeeming you from that experience. I'm redeeming you from that way of viewing work and production and into something completely new, completely different. This new way is built on the ability to rest. To rest in the reality that you are not defined by how many bricks you make or how much you work. Rest in the reality that God provides and God will meet your quotas. To rest in the idea that you as a people can thrive without oppressing and overworking others. He's saying the way of rest is not just a day off. It's in how you view life and work. And he says, don't forget that this new way is different than the old way. Because here's the thing. This is what we see 
over and over again over the course of the next centuries of Israel's history and experience, it's that the way of the world is still out there. Whether it's Egypt or Babylon or Persia or Rome or Greece or whoever, these worldly systems of tireless work will always exist. And they're always trying to draw us back into bondage. They always stand directly opposed to the way of rest. And so this idea of remembering is about intentionality. Because we risk losing this rhythm if we don't fight for rest, if we don't remember. Uh, you know, some of you probably remember that we have done a series on Sabbath before. Uh, about six years ago, we talked about this very topic, about rest, about Sabbath. I gave a message that was very similar to the one I'm giving now. And so as I was working on this, I kind of referenced back to that message and, and kind of just saw what I talked about there. And, and so I reflected this week a lot about how my life has changed in the past six years since I last preached on this topic. And what I've realized as I've gotten older, as my kids have grown, as life has gotten much busier, what I realize now with a little bit of more wisdom is that busyness is rarely, if ever, something we choose. It's not as if we wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm going to choose Egypt over God. I'm going to choose to reject this commandment God has. I'm going to choose busyness over rest. I would love to be run down and tired all the time. Instead, busyness and lack of rest happen as a result of a million little choices that we make over time. And these are choices that don't seem that hard. They seem obvious and good. Choices to provide for our family, choices to choose activities that we enjoy, that our kids enjoy, choices to take up new hobbies and relationships and opportunities. And in a vacuum, none of these choices are bad. They're not sinful. When we look at these choices, it doesn't appear to be a choice between God and sin, God and the world. Work isn't bad. Having a demanding job isn't bad. Studying hard, prioritizing school isn't bad, soccer practice isn't bad, mountain biking isn't bad, fantasy football isn't bad most of the time, going to the gym isn't bad, making time for friends isn't bad, travel isn't bad, but what gets us in trouble is this, that most of the time we make these million little choices without first making a commitment to rest, without first remembering to make a commitment to God's new way, to God's way of viewing life and production. And this is why remembering the Sabbath is so important to God. This is why I think he tells them to set apart one day, to make this day holy, to cut it off from all the rest of the days and leave it alone. Because it forces us to set apart this one distinct part of our life, this one day, and say, this is God's. This is a statement, a testament to God's way of doing life. And so because of that, I won't ever touch this day. I won't violate it. I will say with my time that God's way matters and that God's way is better. 
Rest is better. Gratitude is better. Peace for my soul is better. And if I don't make that commitment, if I don't leave this day, then those little choices, they will add up. There's really no way around it. There's too many good opportunities. And so day by day, these opportunities, these choices, they just kind of creep up on our commitment to God. They infringe upon our time of rest. And a lot of times I think we wake up one day saying, why am I so run down? How did this happen? Why am I so tired? Why is it so hard to love God and and love people with my time? Why is it this way? See, Sabbath is about preserving a rhythm for rest in the chaos of life. Ultimately, it's about protecting ourselves from the world, but ultimately protecting ourselves from ourselves and from this this voice that, that says there's always something more to do. There's always more good that we should fill our life with. And so the question is, right, what, what should we do? What should we do about this if this rhythm of rest, this Sabbath rhythm is what we were created to experience, but life and culture push us back towards this bondage of nonstop work, then what's the solution? How do we pursue rest in a real way? And the short answer is that we have to be simply intentional about stepping into this rhythm and fighting for this rhythm. Intentional means doing it on purpose, working hard for it. To borrow a phrase from author John Mark Comer, we have to be ruthless about pursuing rest. Ruthless about our choices in committing to God's way. I I think that one of the the big mistakes that we make when there's a message or whenever we, we think about rest or Sabbath I think we instinctively kind of go into this mode of like, okay, that's a, that's a good idea. I like the idea of rest. Yes. So how can I do this without giving up too much? How can I find rest without giving up all these other things that, let's be honest here, are way more important to me than rest? And what we do instinctively, we start calculating out the minimum amount of rest that we can get away with. The minimum amount of rest we can do so that we can have both rest, but also the status quo of work, activity, striving, so that we don't have to give up anything important, but we can still find rest. I think what we a lot of times end up doing is just giving up the one thing that we didn't like doing in the first place and becomes an excuse to cut out that person or that activity. It's like, oh, good, I don't have to do that anymore. God said so. But this strategy almost never works because what it does is it focuses on behavior. This ultimately is the legalistic approach to Sabbath to say, well, it's just really behaviors. I'll just cut out this and this rather than the heart of this rhythm to enjoy what God has created for us. And so the idea here is to be ruthless about making rest a priority. To somehow, in some way, put this rhythm 
at the center of our schedules, to plan around it, to be intentional about it, to care about it so much that we fight for it because that's how we'll have it. Now I'm guessing that the question you're asking yourself at this point, the burning question is, do I have to take one full day off? Is, is a one-day Sabbath really necessary to find rest? My answer is, maybe not, but probably. <laughs> maybe not, but probably. And I hate to hedge. I don't want to be wishy-washy. But I am genuinely torn about this question. I struggle to answer this. Because on one hand, I think we have to approach Sabbath with grace. We have to be careful that we don't take this in a way that becomes a burden. Jesus himself warned against applying Sabbath in this way. To say, you have to do it this way. And so whenever I talk to people about Sabbath, whenever people ask me about it, I always kind of say something like, do what you can. Do what's possible, what's realistic for you right now. For some people, for some families, a full one-day Sabbath every week is just not doable without introducing real trauma into your life. And so a better starting point for you might be a Sabbath afternoon, a Sabbath morning. I think there's wisdom in considering what you can do, and probably more importantly, what you will do. There's no point in saying, we all got to take a one-day Sabbath if 90% of you are like, I can't do that. So there is some wisdom in being realistic. But at the same time, I also think there's a reason why God created this specific rhythm. Six days of work, one day of rest. In some sense, we have to believe that one full day of rest has some meaning for how we're created, for our bodies, for our minds, for our spirit, for our families, for our community, for our relationship with God. That in some way, this goodness that we're pursuing in life with God is meant to have one day of rest. I also think one day a week just makes sense from a practical perspective. God is wise. God knows how our schedules work. And if you have one full day set aside, it's easier to plan around. It's probably easier in the long run to take one day of Sabbath a week than to try to chop up your week into like a six and a half hour period every day. It's hard to keep those kinds of commitments. And so what I'm trying to say is that it's not that you can't experience real rest without a full day. But it's much easier to be sure that rest will begin to happen in your life if you make that kind of commitment. And so my invitation to you is simply to consider what's possible. Start where you can. Something is always better than nothing and give yourself grace. But at the same time, be really honest with yourself about what you need. Be honest with yourself about what God is calling you to. Be honest about what God is saying about your life, about your family, and about how to experience the goodness that God wants you to experience. 
And in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about all kinds of different aspects of rest and Sabbath. We'll talk more about what this is supposed to look like, how to do it, how to enjoy it. And so this really is the perfect time to begin a a big change, a hard change. This is always something that will be easier in community than alone. And as we walk through this dialogue together, this is the best time for you to do it. And look, I can't say anything for sure, but if history is any indication, we're not going to do another Sabbath series until 2029. Think about that. Think about how much tiredness, how much stress can accumulate in the next six years. Think about how much older your kids will be, what grade they'll be in, in six years. Think about how your life will change and how much it could benefit from making a change now as opposed to later. Consider that invitation. We could do this together in the next couple months. So as we close this morning, we just want to give you space to reflect, to process through that. It's a lot. It's a big ask for some of you. Even a half a day is really hard. And so we're going to sing a new song. Uh, This is a song that we wanted to introduce in this series because ultimately it reflects the heart that we want to have for Sabbath. This song is called Make Room. And the chorus of the song is really simple. It says, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. That's the prayer. That's the words that we lay before God. And it it acknowledges that the Sabbath is about rest, it's about recharging, it's about stopping, but really more than anything, it's about making room for God and his goodness in our lives. It's about giving God the space to, to meet with us, to speak with us, and ultimately to bless us as we pursue him together. Let's pray.